it's like that warm blanket and that cup of soup when you have a, a little bit of a head cold and you are you are absolutely you know at a zero energy no motivation it's like when your mom comes over and you're a little kid and he puts that blanket over your shoulders and has a nice bowl of Campbell soup football was back this weekend in full force to comfort us yeah. in a way that we never knew we needed comfort before and uh, I think I speak for us both extremely uh, at this moment saying that we needed the comfort of football uh, more than ever in our adult lives for sure um, this weekend after uh, what quite possibly is maybe the hardest emotional week I've had as an adult and I, and I know you as for well. Sure. Um, we want to start this uh, extremely exciting episode of the show as football is back here at the football lounge with uh, with Dan and Mark uh, by saying that we lost our biggest cheerleader, our best friend, and uh, someone who supported us uh, beyond uh, all means, even though he wasn't necessarily the uh, most uh, football-inclined person as far as talking the X's and O's. Uh, with our, the passing of our our beloved best friend Nate Byrne, and uh, and football was there for us this weekend. And you know what? That's what makes football special. And anything when people have a love for something that's beyond sports, whether you're a car guy or you know uh, whatever it may be that you 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 know that is your comfort. Football is our comfort, and we certainly needed it this weekend. Yeah, definitely leaned into it a lot more. Was just, uh, you know, ready for that. Yeah, it was uh, an extremely emotionally taxing week, um, and and you you said it all perfectly. So, um, you know, we miss Nate a ton. He is obviously our biggest cheerleader, as you said. And uh, something I want to do, you know, we started the YouTube page after we did our presidential uh, uh, video where we yes. Uh, picked an entire football team of presidents and Nate Byrne was a, a guest on that uh, show. Uh, so obviously if you, if you're listening now and you haven't listened to that episode, I believe it was the first season uh, and it may, it may have been uh, really early 2021, but I believe it was uh, the 2020 to 2021 season where we did that episode and um, you know, Nate was great in it. And so, yeah, we're going to have to dig that up and post it to YouTube as well so people can uh listen to it on that platform as well i don't think we have the video uh because it was pretty like choppy and all of that but uh it was good content for sure i i know i've talked to a lot of people who aren't even big football fans but they enjoyed that particular episode because it's just a bunch of shenanigans and a bunch of guys goofing off uh talking trying to build a football team of uh u.s presidents it is a small glimpse into what uh our world was with nate and uh how lucky we it was were the merging of our two yeah. biggest passions right absolutely and um you know what i will say you know we um um uh, we love doing this show we do it because we're passionate about it and the fact that uh nate would listen it would take a daily a break from whether it was greg gutfeld or whatever else he was filling uh filling his ears with uh you know just sticks and phil collins and uh, and, uh, and, and the Beatles, whatever else it may the be. James Bond films, of course. Yeah. Just to, to the soundtracks to all the Bond films. How many times they listened to that God awful CD in his Jeep Liberty over and over again. Um, and I think he even bought me it one time just because like, I know you want this. Like I don't, but I'll take it. Uh, the, um, 
that, that he would, he would, he would listen to us. And, um, that's what a best friend does. That's what a best, that's what a best friend does. And we were lucky to have a best friend. And, uh, and, uh, it is weird to now be together here doing the show without him and, uh, you know, without knowing that he's there and with us. But, uh, I will say that, uh, um, we uh, we we know we had people who listened to the show because of Nate. Like he turned people on to the show. See, yeah. He so did. so yeah. we appreciate everyone. We got so much support and love from so many of our our, our friends and family over the last uh, week and a half. Here is uh, you know we lost Nate on the sixth of uh, of September, and uh, we will uh, we will obviously um, every show from here on out dedicated to him and his memory and. Uh, as long as we're both alive, uh, keeping his memory and all those great stories alive. I will say the hard thing about losing someone like Nate Byrne is that he had the uh, talk about a steel trap of a memory. I, I was talking with another one of our good friends, John Jorgensen. I was like, I think one of the things that makes me most sad is that when you'd hang out with a Nate Byrne, you would start telling a story and then he would remember a million more details of the story that you had com- yes. already completely forgotten, completely yeah. forgotten. And, uh, and that is, uh, that's made of the hardest things. Cause that is gone. That encyclopedia of, of your, of your life uh, in a lot of ways is gone, but, uh, it was but, a steel uh, trap. football was there for us this weekend. And, uh, both, both of our teams, especially had, uh, you know, what were, they were, game. they were heavy underdogs and, uh, came out with big wins. It feels, yeah. it felt really good. My wife even said to me after she, after the Bears won, she's like, "You needed a win." I was like, "Yeah, I definitely did." Right. And and and, uh, and the and the Bears pulled through, and and Mitch and the Steelers pulled it through too. somehow by the skin of their teeth for sure yeah it was a a therapeutic sunday and this show to be back here too it's kind of therapy for us it is. as well and and to get back into the groove of things so we are happy to be back and uh happy to be uh talking football after a, a full week uh, of games with uh just the uh monday night game on the horizon for us here so we obviously won't be discussing that contest but every other one we're gonna rifle through these games give us some quick thoughts on each of them and uh, touch on, you know, a little bit of uh, some some narratives to come out of these contests. So we'll start with the Thursday night game, the Bills at the Rams. Everyone was anticipating this one. Uh, we both uh, weren't super bullish on, uh, you know, taking uh, major spreads or anything like that. You had the Rams money line, and I was uh, scared of the uh, Bills, you know, a small spread. So I said I'm going to take them money line as well. But Bills end up winning big 31-10. to 10. Yeah. It was a Josh Allen performance. Uh, that we were expecting uh, he throws for three touchdowns nearly 300 yards passing through the air as well but uh, really it was the uh, story of the Bills defensive front that got after Matt Stafford and company constantly eight sacks eight eight sacks and uh, you know Matt Stafford gets uh, baited into three interceptions in this one as well uh, Allen Robinson seemingly uh, absent from the game plan Cam Anchors as well so it's a little bit confusing there but uh, Buffalo was able to put together a very convincing performance, a 21 point win for them. Uh, it's just week one. We're going to stress this probably over the next month that a lot of these games don't matter in a vacuum, but it's what we have to work off of right now 
what were your thoughts, takeaways from the first game of the NFL season? Well, obviously blown away by the Bills defensive front. I I mean, I know the Rams offensive line is is different and it's not as good as it was last year, especially when you lose a guy who's a borderline Hall of Famer in Whitworth. Um, but I, I'll just say this. To me, I was I, I I'm not gonna sit here and say Super Bowl hangover. I the the Rams offense was so you could just tell out of sync like and and when you start to put all the pieces together it makes sense so I'm not my biggest takeaway is I don't want to overreact to the Rams I still really like the Rams I still think the Rams are going to be a very good football team especially in the NFC the weaker NFC um you know the the Cardinals looked bad this opening weekend uh the Niners looked bad this opening weekend everyone's so worried about the NFC West the vaunted NFC West well they all had dud performances. You know, the Seahawks, if they win tonight, which they won't, uh, they'll be the only undefeated team in the NFC West. So don't yeah. want to panic. I still think the Rams are the class of that division because uh, what I what I mean is no hangover, just, just out of sync. When you now put all the pieces together, Stafford didn't really play and practice a ton dealing with the elbow they clearly were babying him and they clearly just did no relationship with Allen Robinson. Didn't play any in the preseason. None of the starters did that offensive line has talent. They need time to gel. You could just tell there were missed communications. Uh, the, the, and the bills just got away with some, some things that weren't like, Oh no, your players are bad. It's just like you, your schemes are out of whack. The run systems are out of whack. No Cam Akers, no Allen Robinson, only two targets, I think, for Allen Robinson. I, I just want to take a breath with the with the Rams. If the Rams look this bad against the Falcons next week, then I'll be on the show next week going, we got a problem. We got a real problem maybe in L.A. Um, now, but now, for the Bills, to their credit, they won that game, and they uh, absolutely um, showed glimpses of – what the bills can just their ceiling can just be so extremely high, but they also showed you still, there's still a little bit of that last year bills where remember they lost to the Jags uh, at, on the road. They lost at, you know, to the Patriots in that w crazy cold wind game where they can just kind of kill themselves. And you saw it. I mean, the fact of the matter that the game was as close as it was in the first half was because the bills killed themselves. You know, the two interceptions, the fumble, they can they can be a little bull in the china shop and get a wild, and that's because they have the personality of their quarterback. But when it when push comes to shove, the Bills are are they they look like a Super Bowl favorite absolutely after Week One, and I don't want to panic on the Rams yet. Yeah, they performed as advertised. Did the Buffalo Bills, the LA Rams? I agree. It's certainly not time to panic. the The only thing I, I get Duke du concerned about is. I think the Matt Stafford elbow thing is a bigger deal than a lot It'll of people be. let on. I really do. To me, it sounds from what they've talked about with the Tommy John, all that, it sounds a lot like what Big Ben was dealing with ahead of the 2019 season. And all it took was that second game where he had a weird throw and he was done for the year. He had to have surgery. Uh, I'm not a doctor. I don't know if that's actually what Matt Stafford is dealing with. Uh, but I do know they were using similar tactics to help manage the pain for Ben when he had his elbow thing. Uh, so it's unsettling to say the least, but we'll see kind of how he looks next week. It, it did appear that the mechanics were a little bit off. 
All right, we'll kind of get into the uh, the Sunday slate then after that. The 49ers and the Bears, which I guess I'll just nickname the Slush Bowl at this point because that's pretty much what it was. Uh, mounds and mounds of rain over there on the beautiful, glorious Soldier Field grass that everyone knows and loves. Uh, yeah, there's a reason they're going to Arlington Heights pretty soon. But obviously, yeah. there there was a lot of rain. You're going to get a lot of rain regardless. Any, in, yeah, in any field that looked like that with how much uh, rain there was. Yeah. It was crazy. It, it was just wild to see them squeegeeing the field uh, beforehand and, and watching them dive in celebration. The turf actually held up pretty end. good. That new turf they put in like four days ago. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't like the turf was flying everywhere. It just was. I mean, it was literally like there was two inches of water possible to manage very yeah. very difficult to manage there but the bears come away with a uh you know uninspiring if you will 19 to 10 win but hey it's a win against a you know what a lot of people have dubbed as a playoff team this year uh one of the contenders and uh one of the high-flying young up-and-coming quarterbacks uh i certainly thought that they should have drafted a tra- uh justin fields at the time i thought the jets should have done the same thing uh, but they didn't. Uh, Trey Lance is their guy. He did not look good in this game. No one really did. I was impressed with how Justin Fields was able to, you know, settle in and find and, and able to find a way Absolutely. to get the big plays that are needed in a game of this. Like you're going to need someone to just come up with a few big throws, big plays, and that w- should be enough to carry you over the top, especially with how their, uh, you know, uh, defense was playing. Justin did that. Trey did not. And that really ended up being the difference maker in this one, not to mention, uh, you know, of course the bears defense coming through big with some turnovers there as well. But I I thought this was a a pretty good game for Justin Fields, given the elements and everything that, uh, you know, they had to deal with. Didn't I say on this show, like a month and a half ago, the line was six. And I said, you absolutely have to take the bears minus six. They're getting six points at home against this Niners team. I've been on this for a long time. I, to me, this was such an easy upset to predict. And then the game started, and at halftime, I was going, "Oh my god, I live in uh, I live in a real I'm like Groundhog's Day. It does not matter what my who my coach is, who my GM is, who my quarterback is. My team sucks, like offensively sucks. And what was so inspiring, so inspiring as a Bears fan. You said a non-inspiring win. It was inspiring. Is that <laughs> you watched a team come out? At at in the second half, and they made adjustments. They felt more comfortable. What is and that? They, and 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 when push came to shove, when the elements were terrible for everyone, they still found a way to make plays. And I will say, I agree with you. Justin Fields in the second half felt like okay. This sucks. My offensive line is being is really being hammered by one of the best defensive fronts in all of football. A great defensive front. And they and in the end, the second half, they kind of held their own, and they gave Justin just enough time to let Justin do what he does. He makes ridiculous plays. He is his ceiling is so high. If he can improve on just quick decisions, quick passes, he struggles a lot throwing the comeback routes and the out routes to the sideline. So if he can work on those timing things, the accuracy with that stuff, the dude's ceiling is so high. And Lance is Lance is a is a stud. I mean, you see the physicality. He is, I mean, just like built like a brick. And, um, but I mean, they, they turtled up. I mean, in the second half, the Niners just turtled up. It was crazy. The Bears like scored their first touch. I was like, oh, okay, the Bears have a pulse. They, they, they're they not going to get totally blown out. And then it was just, it kept going. And the Niners just kept shooting themselves in the foot. 
you got to feel great for that win as a Bears as a Bears fan. It gives you some hope for this season that you're going to prove the SI. We I knew we were going to prove the Sports Illustrators of the world wrong. They're, they're going to win more than three games. They're not going to be bottom sellers of the league. But it, it, it helps you at least show to the national media, you know what, you guys were a little bit wrong. They, I, yeah, maybe my prediction of playoffs is too much, but they're not. They're going to be involved in games. This defense uh, of schemes, they got a lot of talent, young guys with big ceilings. And for the Niners, I mean – I, I I felt this way. This season is going to be so tense. When you have Jimmy Garoppolo, the Niners need to trade Jimmy Garoppolo to the Cowboys today. Yeah, yeah. They, you can just tell it's too tense already in that room. Every missed throw from Trey Lance feels like, uh, Jimmy G, Jimmy G, doesn't it? It does, yeah. I mean, when you know that someone's uh, lingering there that's brought them to a Super Bowl, that's a good quarterback. It's a different situation sometimes when – you know, you've got a guy who's a bridge quarterback and then he gets overtaken. This isn't the case. I mean, Jimmy G was brought in as the franchise guy several years ago. He still has that capability to, you know, carry a team to the playoffs and make good decisions. So, yeah, when when you're not having a great outing. Now, I, I will say, you know, the big thing, as we've talked about, is the elements were, you know, one of the worst case scenarios. Yeah. Um, probably not the best game to judge Trey Lance's performance. And obviously no one was going to be calling for Jimmy G after one game, but it does just feel like, you know, if, if things start stacking, what's to stop them from doing it? Because the window is still right now and they don't have time to mess around. Yeah. You so, saw it with the defense. I mean, their defense yeah. is, is legit, legit, but the bears, outscoring the 49ers in this one 19 to three in the second half. And that was of course the difference maker ability to adjust. It was beautiful. And, and honestly, man, the, the way the team responded to Justin, he just feels like the dude this year. Yep. He's the guy it's his team and everyone's following him. Like even yep. at the end, there a silly thing like him leading the charge to do the celebration in the water. It's like the whole team was like, all right, let's follow Justin. Like, we're, like he just, he seems much more comfortable and relaxed yeah. in that role. And I, I think that's important. It know? is. It's huge. I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't be happier on a, on a Monday morning than, uh, than that. Like, obviously if he had thrown for 300 yards and all that, you, you know, but w for, the, for everything with the expectations going in and after that first half, man, it was that beautiful uh, to see 19 points into the second half and the defense kept playing big, um, you know, I'm ready to move on. I will just say this last little bit. I, I honestly think it's going to be, it's going to feel tight in, in San Francisco while Jimmy G is still there. And if you're committed to Trey Lance, I think now's the time to, to milk Dallas for a second rounder, a third rounder and, and move on. I don't know if they can get that high of one. That's the problem, but I will, uh, I will agree with you that they need to move him. His, you know, the price tag, uh, you know, may, go down a little bit uh, because of, you know, or may go up a little bit, I should say, because of the uh, urgent need for Dallas if they want to be able to compete this year. Uh, but we'll get to that when we get to the Cowboys game for sure. Let's move to the Steelers at the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, taking on the defending AFC North champions and the AFC champions uh, in Joe Burrow and company over there. And, uh, you know, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers defense really was the story of the game. Obviously, starting things off with a sack by Cam Hayward and then a pick six from Michael Fitzpatrick kind of set the tone there. Uh, seven uh, sacks of Joe Burrow in this one. By the way, it was seven sacks for Buffalo's defense, not eight. Oh, seven. Uh, but seven, that's a lot of sacks. 
Uh, Steelers ending ending up with seven sacks as well and five turnovers, uh, four interceptions of Joe Burrow in this one. Quite an impressive performance from the defense. The offense was slow to start throughout. That's why this game was really kind of just uh, tug and pull for yeah. most of the game. It felt like the Steelers were in control. Uh, you know, go up 17 to six at the break. They still felt comfortable. Slowly let Cincinnati get back into it because Mitch and company really couldn't develop a rhythm. Their run game couldn't get going because the O-line was just poor. And, uh, you know, as expected, unfortunately, coming into the year, we knew that there was going to be some wrinkles there. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, the Bengals end up apparently seemingly winning the game in the waning second. Uh, with a touchdown pass to Jamar Chase, but Minka Fitzpatrick once again showing why that trade for one first-rounder was such a beautiful one in 2019 as he comes in, blocks the extra point, keeps their, you know, the game alive, and they end up winning this in overtime, 23-20. to 20. A wild game. Uh, it, it, Grace said this, and she's only, you know, been watching the Steers for a couple years uh, since uh, dating me, and uh, she even knew it. She's like, it's never easy. And it really, it's never <laughs> easy with the Steelers. They never no. can just blow. They can never blow out a team. Even when things are going good, yeah. they can't pile on. They keep the, uh, the suspense going to the very end. They did it in this one and they lost some key players. We'll get to that in a moment, but uh, Mike Tomlin but is like, good he's like away. Jordan Peele. He's just good at suspenseful directing. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, here's my, here's my biggest takeaway. Again, I'm not overreacting to the Bengals. Burrow again was a guy did not hear that appendectomy. He had lost a bunch of weight. He had he he's trying to get his body back shape. No preseason action. He looked he looked off, but he'll be fine. Again, in two to, if they're zero and three, zero and four, and this spirals into something, we can address that when we get to that point. Don't want to panic. It's a it's a a division opponent who plays you well. And if you're a Steelers fan, it you know if I was in your shoes this morning, I'd feel so. You know, it, it doesn't feel, feel great because it you barely win. You ba it takes overtime and a missed extra point to win a game in which you got five turnovers. <laughs> you, <laughs> like you, not just and, that, in which you won you the turnover it, battle five to zero. Five to zero, and, and you, you should have lost. <laughs> yeah, and you should have lost. Like that's obviously concerning. Rough, but yeah. their defense is really good, even without the defensive player of the year. But that could be, honestly maybe even a more impactful loss for their roster than maybe Dak Prescott. Like, I mean, Dak's the quarterback, so you can never place a D lineman over a quarterback, but it just goes to show you how impactful TJ Watt really is. And so listen, the Steelers, I, I feel like if you're a Steelers fan, it's a little bit like a bears. Hey, we kind of stole one that no one thought we should win. Let's see if we can build on this. And in the end, maybe this is that win where you look back on it and it helps you get to nine and eight instead of eight and nine. Like, and that's huge. Like that is, that's really huge early in the game. I know it's early. You got plenty of season left, but these wins and losses do count. So you, yeah. as a Steelers fan, it's fun to see Mitch out there. And Mitch has got some really great wide receivers. Hopefully it feels like they'll, they, I felt like the game plan was really conservative for Mitch in the second half. It, at some point in time, you just got to let, let them play. And, and, uh, that offensive line, I know it needs help, but, uh, you just got to let it happen. I think. Sometimes with offensive lines too is, you know, it's not a comforting thing, but sometimes they just need time to gel as a unit when there's a lot of new guys and the Bengals are a prime example. The entire starting lineup is, is new essentially. So for all those five guys to be in sync in week one, that's a tall task to ask. 
They're pro- they're going to get better throughout the year, and uh, hopefully that's the case for Pittsburgh as well. But yeah, it's uh it is concerning uh, when it's that close of a game, given how dominant your defense was. It looks like what I'm seeing today is that TJ Watt. They're thinking it's a little more optimistic that It'll it be might four to be six. a torn muscle that would uh yeah take him out uh, closer to a month or so which would be good, obviously. Uh, Najee Harris got hurt, a foot injury there. Kind of see what, what uh, happens with that as well. So a couple guys banged up, uh, not not great start. Probably would have taken the loss if it meant TJ was healthy. But nonetheless, uh, a win against the defending AFC champs, you can't scoff at that. And I, I can't complain, certainly, uh, as a Steelers fan myself. Uh, just encouraged by how the team rallied to get the win, especially when it seemed very bleak. Uh, at the end there so that 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 says something for sure uh oh yeah and did you notice mike tomlin got the guys of uh, the uh, black air force uh shoes yeah before the game i i had no idea what that was i had to look it up on urban dictionary and stuff so yeah for those of you who don't know uh look it up because there's a there's a meaning behind that but uh tomlin's good man meaning, I would say, but he, he's good uh saints at the falcons uh not a game wild. i think we were like stoked to see or, or wild yeah but uh, it was a wild uh, ending in this one. Jameis Winston, the truth, ends up bringing this team into field goal range and the uh, the last second able to get the game-winning field goal, 27-26 to 26 over the Falcons. I will say, so Jameis looked uh, pretty good in this one, uh, at least second half. Really, first half was pretty rough for both sides. But Cordero Patterson looked good for the Falcons. Yeah. And Mariota he was running a lot. He, he had over 70 yards rushing in this one was capable against a really good saints defense. Uh, so there were some encouraging signs there. I would say for Atlanta, despite, you know, this obviously not going to be a season that, uh, you know, they're contenders, but some encouraging signs there. And I thought Jameis uh, answered the bell given the rough start yep, came absolutely. back and, and, you know, helped lead the team to a victory with some of these new weapons. And uh, Michael Thomas is back two touchdowns. Uh, yeah, agree with you 100% on Jameis. But rough start, and it, and it just goes to show if Jameis can find the rhythm, build the chemistry, and not turn the ball over, the Saints offense, Jarvis Landry making big plays. Michael Thomas is back. They got dudes. They got, they got a ton of dudes. And so, you know, and, and Alvin Kamara will eventually, you know, come back as well. So there is a – this Saints team, you start to think about, and I, and I undervalued them. Remember, I was the one who said – I think they'll, they will be in contention, but eventually fade and not make the playoffs already winning a, 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 you know, again, it's a division opponent on the road uh, in a hostile environment to play that well in the second half against a a Falcons team that credit the Falcons. And we'll talk about them here in a second as well with the lions and the Texans, they were in that category and we'll see if the, we'll see if the Seahawks belong in this category. I think fans, Seahawks fans are hoping so over those teams that we know they're not great and they're probably going to lose a lot of games, but you still want them to just be competitive. You don't want your team, if it's bad, like the Jets, to just get shellacked and it be like, oh, this is going to be a long season. That's a Falcons team. If I'm watching it go, good, we lost, but we're feisty. You want to lose as a Falcons team. You want C.J. Stroud. You know what I mean? Like you want that number one overall pick. So you want to lose. But you, you, while you're watching the games, you want to see the potential and the feistiness and pits and all this stuff. So kind of a win-win for Falcons fans. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, and I don't think uh, they had lofty expectations going into it. So tempered expectations, and they probably exceeded those 
for the Falcons fans in this one. Saints off to a 1-0 start. Uh, so good stuff for them right out of the gate. The Eagles on the road at the Lions. The Lions, a chippy team. We both were kind of talking about this. We both were much higher on the Lions coming into the season than uh, maybe consensus, although they do end up losing this game. It was a, a much closer battle against a really good Eagles team. I think what stood out to me the most was just like Jalen Hurts's poise throughout the game. He seemed to really be a lot comfortable in this offense than he was a year ago. Yeah. Ran the ball extremely well. Agreed. In this one. And despite not throwing a touchdown pass, the connection he had with AJ Brown, 10 catches, 155 yards, the brand new acquisition from Tennessee looking real good. Yep. Hertz looks comfortable there. And look, they were on the road too. Uh, the lions defense is, you know, they, they play hard. This team plays hard. We talked about last year's the Dan Campbell kind of culture being built. They fought to the very end. They battled back at the end too. Uh, they got some great young talent in Hawkinson and Swift and, you know, Jamison Williams will be joining the team later this year. The first round pick. Yeah. They have a lot of pieces and uh, I think the lions are going to be just fine. Uh, but the Eagles were played how I expected them to play. I want to see if they can replicate that type of performance against a, you know, a little bit better of a defense, a little bit better of a competition, but putting up 38 points on the lions to start things off bodes well for the singles offense that really had a lot of question marks last season. Now I think they're proven that they can be a top tier offense. Yeah. The Eagles defense worries me and they just lost. What's his name? The pass rusher for a whole year ACL tear from this game. Um, yeah, I, I don't love if I'm an Eagles Brandon, fan giving up 35 points to the Lions. I, I mean, especially 14 in the fourth when and I know you kind of had the game at that point, but letting the team back in, it's that's that's got to be something to look at. But again, it's week one. But I do think a lot of credit goes to the Lions. This Lions team, again, is going to be feisty. It's going to be involved in a ton of games this year. And if you're the Eagles especially by the time this win feels even sweeter by midnight last night, when you know that the Cowboys now are going to be in a free fall for the next six weeks, possibly. So it, it's, um, if you're an Eagles fan, you got to feel great right now about your chances to win the division, starting off week one with a win, uh, despite some injuries and despite giving up that many points and, uh, and uh, it ended up being a really entertaining game. There was some entertaining games, uh, throughout the, the 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 beginning of you know that kind of noon hour, uh, one of the games we're talking about next, Patriots Dolphins, was not one of them. Yeah, no, certainly not. Um, the Patriots and Dolphins, uh, very interesting game to say the least. Uh, I you know I I don't know what your thoughts were going into this one. I kind of felt it was going to be a close game that the Patriots would end up winning by like a, a field goal or something like yeah. that, just because it's Bill Belichick against a uh, still young and unproven Tua and a rookie head coach of Mike McDaniel, but they really come out and, and this offense uh, ran itself very efficiently 2023 of 33 for 270 yards, a touchdown Tyreek Hill uh, right out of the gate with eight catches, nearly a hundred yards in this one. So they were, they were seeming to find a rhythm, uh, you know, eventually in this game and uh, the dolphins come away with a 13 point win 20 to seven to me. Uh, it's this game didn't say as much to me about the Dolphins as I think the Patriots are in trouble. And I don't want to make too much out of one yeah. game, but they looked so rough against the division opponent that you, you, you they usually play well. Um, it, it just seemed really difficult to get anything moving there. Mac Jones didn't seem comfortable. We talked about it and, you know, everyone's been talking about it. 
the, the Matt Patricia calling offensive plays just makes no sense. And it, it's very bizarre. Uh, you know, you don't take someone who's dominant on one side of the football and put them on the other side. Dick LeBeau probably wouldn't have called a very good offense in the NFL. He was yeah. a defensive guy yeah. for a reason. That was his niche. And you stay in those lanes. And uh, unfortunately, it seems that they're going with the Patricia method. The, the offense looked terrible. The Dolphins looked fine. I still don't have them as a, a playoff team this year. I have them. The AFC you know, so tough. Yeah. It's really tough. Uh, I have them. I think I had them getting uh, eight or nine wins this year, but you know, getting there close. But yeah, Patriots. I I would say um, another game or two of this, and I'd already be pressing. Yeah, the I button. feel good about my Patriots five and twelve prediction. I really do. I uh, Dan, I couldn't agree more. I was actually on my Saturday morning show. I said this is one of the three um, things I really wanted to watch for. Tua and Mac Jones have a ton of different pressure on them from different aspects. Tua, we yeah. know, is not Josh Allen, and we know Tua is not, you know, Justin Herbert. He's not Joe Burrow. So the pressure on Tua now is to do what the Kirk Cousins, the Dak Prescotts, the Mitchell Trubisky's, those other guys haven't done yet. And what haven't they done? They haven't led their team to a Super Bowl and getting a win. Like even Jimmy Garoppolo, he led his team to the Super Bowl, but yeah, now we know he's kind of limited and yeah, you don't want to like build your team around him. If you are not the freakish athlete and the, uh, the wow, when you walk in the door, even like the Justin Fields, the Trey Lance, where you're just like, that dude is special. If you're not that guy, Baker Mayfield, your job is to win a Super Bowl. <laughs> like, I mean, your job is to win a Super Bowl anyways, but it, your job to save your job, to get the long, con Kirk's gotten the long contracts. Cause he's and Dak got the big contract, um, and Jimmy G got a big contract. But in order to have the second contract and the staying power, you got to do what Russell Wilson did. You got to be the undersized guy who shows enough mobility who can galvanize and win a Super Bowl and get to another Super Bowl. You know, it's been almost a decade since we saw Russell Wilson in a Super Bowl, and yet we still think very highly of him. So that's what Tua has to do. And that's a ton of pressure because if he doesn't make the playoffs this year, they're going to be like, yeah, do we, we, all right, we'll pick up the fifth year, but we don't want to necessarily negotiate a long-term deal. He's stuck. He's stuck. Yeah. Kyler Murray got the deal. Well, Kyler Murray will not get a second deal. If Kyler Murray doesn't have a, a play, a Super Bowl appearance or better, you know what I mean? Like that's just the way the NFL works for the undersized guys. So it's a lot of pressure. And I thought Tua played well. And again, Tua playing well in the regular season does not matter. What matters is Tua getting into the playoffs and having like a big moment or two so he can secure that bag for himself and prove to us that he can do it in the big moments. And for Mac, listen, I, he's in real trouble. I, I, I think Mac Jones, I probably would rather have him as my starting quarterback than Tua, all things considered. The problem is now Mac Jones is – his talent level is like his ceilings, Kirk Cousins, like we've always said. And now he's got two failed, failed head coach, defensive special teams guys running his offense. And Dan, here's the thing that's really interesting. You got to remember, stay away from the box scores, go to the play by play and look at the drives for teams that struggle offensively. And it's the same thing I was going to say with San Francisco and their quarterbacks who struggle. It's one thing 
when they score early, like San Francisco did, came out early, or like the Patriots, their first drive, eight plays, 53 yards, and, and an interception. But after that, punt, fumble, punt, end of half. That just goes to show you the most production they got was with the scripted plays going into it. Of course, Matt Patricia and Joe Judge could say, here's our first 15. We're scripted. We feel comfortable about this. Execute. After that, when it's just like you got to call the game, punt, end of half. Comes out the second half. They re-script the plays. 15 plays, 92 yards, touchdown. After that, punt, 17 yards. Punt, four plays, seven yards. Fumble. Like, after that, calling the game was a disaster. So, uh, it just goes to show you, Kyle Shanahan, who we know is a great play caller, he's got a different a a animal in his, in his hands. We know that Matt can execute really well the, the play calls, and Matt can execute a well-played game plan throughout his throughout the, the game. We saw it with Josh McDaniels. They just don't have the people to, to do that. Whereas Kyle Shanahan is stuck in the opposite end. He can, he can on the fly call all the great plays, but he doesn't necessarily have the trust in his young quarterback to execute all the plays. He's got a limited playbook to work with. So kind of two ends of the different spectrum there. Uh, it's an interesting thing to look at for anyone who out there is listening to us. You want to dig a little deeper on that. Go to the plays, go to the drives, because it just goes to show you if they're doing really well at the beginning of the game and the start of the second half, it's because that's when it's scripted. That's when the coaches have control. And Joe Judge and Matt Patricia are showing you, hey, we can put together 15 plays. <laughs> After that, uh, my pencil in my ear, I hope I can figure something out. Not the best on the fly there. It, yeah. uh, it's a trouble brewing there in New England, for sure. The Ravens on the road at the Jets and uh, Joe Flacco getting that revenge game in, right? You the, the Ravens. Nine times. Well, yeah, it's insane. What are they doing? It's, it's absolutely insane. He, he ended up with 300 yards passing on uh, 59 attempts, 37 what are they doing? completions. Uh, the, the Jets were struggling from the jump. I mean, both teams were. This was kind of the case of like, most teams outside of, you know, like, I don't know, Kansas City or a few others where everyone was pretty slow to start. Um, you know, Baltimore even only scored 10 first half points in this one. They end up winning 24 to nine. Uh, just a huge struggle there for the Jets throughout in this game. Uh, one touchdown uh, for, for uh, New York. Uh, Lamar Jackson looked good, uh, especially in the second half there, running the offense, uh, finding, you know, hitting some big plays, which is, you know, something that they're going to need to do uh, a lot this year uh, to be able to kind of keep defenses honest. That's going to make, uh, you know, Lamar that much more lethal when he can do stuff yeah. with his legs because they're having to defend way more of the field with the likes of Rashad Bateman, Devin Duvernay. Those guys played great. Uh, so they were able to spread the ball around, uh, get some rushing on the ground, despite the absence yet again for a second straight season of J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards. Uh, playing with a ragtag uh, group of guys, but they were able to get it going, and uh, Lamar Jackson and company end up coming away with a convincing win, even if it was uh, a little bit touch and go there from the start. Meanwhile, I mean, what did we expect from the Jets? Really, this is what we expected from the Jets. Uh, I will say from a fantasy perspective primarily, a lot of people thought Brees Hall was going to be the bee's knees and that he was just going to be given the job. Michael Carter is a second-year running back. He's not like an old running back that – was aging it out. He got the majority of the carries. He was the lone bright spot, I'd say, here for New York. 10 carries, 60 yards, was able to come through with uh, some nice runs there. Other than that, it's rough. I mean, it's the Jets, and uh, they were playing a, a really good defense in Baltimore. 
Uh, you know, the Jets maybe are going to squeak out a win or two with Joe Flacco before Zach Wilson returns, uh, if they're lucky. Uh, but I, you know, I had them, what, four wins all year. Uh, it's going to be a really, really tough go here for New York. Yeah. Meanwhile, Baltimore just looks like, you know, Lamar looks like he's out and ready to show people that, you know, he's he's the Lamar that uh, is going to get. He wants the Deshaun Watson deal. He wants he the wants Watson it. deal. Yeah, I, I'll say I'll I'll say this. My biggest takeaway from this game was Lamar. You should have taken the deal. I'm I'm going to be yeah. worried about Lamar. I, all, you and I are agreement on that. I, I'm going to yeah. worry about Lamar all season long. Um, but I love watching him play. Great. Just get the uh, uh, what do the Ravens do? The Ravens, they're just such a great franchise. And, J- and Jim Harbaugh, uh, John Harbaugh, excuse me, deserves so much credit. Like he's they, underrated, right? He flies just under the radar. They, I feel like he's similar to the level of Mike Tomlin. Well, we talk yeah. about Tomlin way more. Well, he I talks mean, more. Harbaugh's he he, and Harbaugh has his brother even to compete with. Like he just True. he just goes out. They run a, a clean ship. They take care of business. Yeah, they could like would you know. They cover the spread. They blow out the Jets. And they take care of business. They move on. Like, and they looked good doing it without having to overextend themselves. Uh, and the Jets are in some real trouble. Jets are in trouble in fifty nine right, times. On. Joe Flacco. Stop that. <laughs> this should not happen. Well, let's talk about another quarterback who threw way too much in this one. Carson Wentz and the yeah. Washington Commanders. Carson Wentz throws forty one times in this game, but. It ends up being in a win for the Washington 28 to 22 over the Jaguars uh, or Jaguars. I don't, I think I say it weird. I Jaguars. I say, I don't know. Jaguars. Uh, like, I mean, people say that I like, I don't go like, like, I'm like not wars. British. I'm not like Jaguar. Jaguar. <laughs> yeah. Um, four touchdowns though, for Wentz in this game, Mark. Yeah. He looked pretty good. Uh, you know, like he had that in sync um, uh, connection there with uh, Terry McLaurin. And uh, Antonio uh, Gibson out of the backfield. Yeah. And meanwhile, for the Jaguars, you know, it, it's just it's it's so tough because I want Trevor to ex- succeed, and I know that he's got it. He threw forty-two times in this game as well. Too much. Um, and they felt like they had to at that point. Wasn't getting enough from the playmakers around him. This might take some time as well. I still feel that the Jaguars are going to be so much better than they were last year. So I'm not panicking on this and the commanders aren't just a God awful team. They're going to be fine with Carson Wentz at the helm, but maybe, maybe are they, are they going to be better than I think? I don't know. I, they might do be, I mean, again, Wentz, this was a great Wentz game. Cause it's like the two interceptions, like he, yeah. he, he has, and he has those moments on that one where you're just like, oh, my God, this is Carson Wentz. Like, that's Wentz to a T. And so it's going to be a roller coaster for the for the Washington commanders. But I will say, I mean, this was a, a – again, if you're a commanders fan, you got to feel like, okay, we took a breath. We won. We're 1-0. Like, the world isn't collapsing around us. Wentz was kind of fun to watch. And he's got weapons. I mean – um, Antonio Gibson, scary, Terry, uh, Curtis Samuel. I mean, he's got people around him and, uh, and, and, and so it's going to be interesting, especially as I said, with the Cowboys plummeting here. Now the Cowboys could be zero and six, like I'm dead serious. If Dak mix misses the first six weeks, the Cowboys like Cooper rush cannot win you a game. And that's one of those funny things where it's like, it's also so funny about NFL rosters where it's like. Why have a backup quarterback that you know cannot win you at least a game or two if your guy goes down? Like Cooper yeah. Rush can't win yeah. you a game. He can't. Yeah. 
Like, and maybe the, it's as simple as like, Mark, there's it's not just enough like guys us out alternatives. There. I mean, there's just not, yeah, like, what's the alternative? Like, he cannot win you a game. Like, they are, they're not going to win a game if Cooper Rush starts. So, I'm not even saying this facetiously. If they're not, if they can't do the big Jimmy G deal, I would think getting Mason Rudolph in there. Yeah. That, I, he, I, I think if you're the Steve, it'd be a win win. He could win you at least a game. Yeah. Like, seriously. Like, yeah, Cooper could. Rush cannot win you a game. He just can't. So, like, if you're Washington, New York, and Philly, you're all 1-0. You're all looking around each other going, like, what's going on here? All right, now is the time. You have got to stack up wins. So, if you're Washington, you got to feel good. And it's going to be a roller coaster with Wentz. For for the Jags, for the love of God, don't let make him throw 42 times. Even if it's getting out of hand, you owe it to his development to not throw it 42 times. Lawrence? To whose credit, there was, again, it's the flashes. We're like, geez, this kid's ceiling is just the moon. It's the moon. He's got to learn to take a little off it. Sometimes the dude just throws fastballs. Yeah, like, he I does. Mean, he rockets it. He's, it. And he's 6'6". Yeah. Six, six. You forget just how big he is. He's so, I mean, the dude is huge. When we talk about Josh Allen being huge, I mean, like, Trevor Lawrence is 6'6". Six, six, like, two, two, uh, he's got to peck on a little more weight. But he's probably 225. I mean, the dude is massive. So the Jaguars, again, feeling improvements, feeling good this morning. You were in that game. You had a chance, and, and you're, you're not a disaster. They're not going to be, again, like, like the Texans, like the Falcons. Your goal probably is to – you're not – your goal isn't to lose games like the Seahawks and the Falcons, but you want to see that, like, hey, we're feisty. We can be in every game. 100%, and that's what – you just need to see that. Um, yeah. week in and week out to have some sort of, uh, you know, confidence going into each week that you can compete and, and get things done. But I mean, look, if the Cowboys are, are this bad, if the Eagles, uh, you know, stumble, you know, Washington can't, Washington could be one of those sneaky teams. Uh, absolutely. Like somehow wins the division. Like, and again, it, years ago, if it all takes now, all it takes now for Washington to win the division is you're absolutely right. The Eagles, another like, key big injury. Or, you know what I mean? And they go on a weird stretch. And Washington is very capable of winning nine games. And, again, that could win this division uh, in all seriousness. Like, it, oh, yeah. this division could be ugly like it was when they won won it winning nine games a couple of years ago. Like, it, it could be – it could get ugly. I think Philly is still poised to get into the double-digit wins. And especially with the, with Dallas being in, in the in the tailspin that they'll be in. So, um, but it's – you're right. Wins like this are going to matter for for Washington big time. No question. The Browns go to the Panthers in a uh, another one of those revenge games for Baker yeah. Mayfield. Uh, Baker said he was going to fuck them up, and uh, that did not happen. Instead, it not was happened. Cleveland that that got the last laugh in this one. Look, Baker. I mean, there's no sugarcoating it. Uh, didn't look great. Did did have a couple of those big splash plays that had been eluding the Panthers uh, at least for sure the last season. Um, you know, Christian McCaffrey first game back, uh, didn't do Christian McCaffrey things, but there were still splashes, uh, yeah. moments there and he scored as well. And look late Baker was able to get some of that energy going and right. And make, and make things really close and, and tense and, you know, put the and team Jacoby off late. The Jacoby. Yeah. And, and yes, exactly. And then, you know, the Panthers defense, uh, you know, let's, Let's Brissett and the Browns uh, drive down the field in no time and get the game-winning field goal, twenty-six to twenty-four victory there for Cleveland. That's a tough loss there for the Panthers. I mean, really, 
Um, that was one I, I wouldn't say that I just like penciled them in because it still was the Panthers and the Browns have a good roster, but it was one I they should have won they at should've. home. And that's not how you want to start things off there for the season. But no. perhaps there are, you know, greener pastures uh, down the road, given that Baker still got to get a feel for this Ben McAdoo offense and get assimilated to this whole group of guys. But, you know, you don't have a lot of margin for error if you're in Carolina. So, yeah, it's tough sledding. You know, my my biggest takeaway in this is uh, definitely feel like the Panthers needed this one. And I definitely feel like if you are a Browns fan, temper some expectations. It was great to see Jacoby Brissett play a complete game and and help you win the game in the end. He almost gave it away, but he helped you win the game in the end. Now you got to be you got to be mentally preparing yourself though for every defensive coach in the NFL loves today because now they have legitimate film. And you know what I mean? From your legitimate offense and what your game plans are trying to do to win actual games. The preseason just gives you like, we're trying shit. We're trying to be just even like throw you different things. So you maybe throw off every offensive coordinator was trying to win a game yesterday. So they were all showing you, this is what we do really well. And this is what we do to try to against this stuff. You know what I mean? That we think. So now defensive coordinators We'll start to be able to pick up on stuff. Now, again, week two, week three, by the end of the first quarter of the season, week four, that's when defenses, that's why it always gets tougher. You know, Andy Reid's always undefeated in September because Andy Reid just goes to the drawing board, comes up with a bunch of shit you never seen before, and the weather's good, and he's got all these fast guys, he's got a great quarterback, and he just, he has, it's like a, a, a playground for him. It gets always tougher come October, November. So, um, I, I just want to temper it a little bit. The Browns fans got to feel good being one and oh, got to feel good because your hope is you can win three or four by the time Watson comes back and then he can lead you on a run. But this, I, I just again, I, I think this could still get ugly for Cleveland before Watson gets back. Yeah, it sure can. Uh, the Colts at the Texans, uh, despicable Colts. I don't even know what to say about this game. The Colts did not look. They ran so many plays. They They ran. Matt Ryan threw the ball 50 times and Jonathan Taylor had 31 carries. Yeah. What the hell? Like what the hell? Uh, Speaking of a lot of plays, the Bengals ran 93 plays. I I know it was my lock of the week on Saturday morning that the the Colts would win by seven. I'm so pissed. I'm so pissed. The the Texans at at moments, the, the thing was, Okay, they had their moments, but if you told me that like the Colts and Texans tied week one, my thinking is, oh wow, the Texans probably looked really good. I, I still didn't really get that. I, no. I thought I got I got both teams aren't looking that great. Um, but you know, the Colts flashed at least at moments with Michael Pittman. Like it does seem like there's gonna be a Matt Ryan, Michael Pittman thing going on this year. Uh and Jonathan Taylor did Jonathan Taylor things. But, you know, if you're the Colts, man, you got like you're you got to win this game. Like you can't start 0-1 with your first loss coming to the Texans. Just, a, yeah. well, it's not a loss, but it, it technically is. If you're the Colts, this is a loss. It's a tie, but it's a loss. Yeah. The only good thing for you is the only good thing for you is, is the Titans blew it. And we'll talk about them in a yeah, second yeah. as well. And now you do have a tie and they have a loss. So you do have that. So you're kind still of ahead game. of them in the, uh, you still have that half game on, on the, the rival to win the division. 
So I, I listen, I, I want to give the Colts time. Obviously, this offense is clicking. They just couldn't, they just couldn't put points up. Like, I mean, how do you have 161 yards from your star running back with 31 carries? How does your quarterback throw for 352 yards and you only score 20 points? Like, how does that happen? Like it's just it's just um it's wild. And 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 if you and if you're a Houston, Texas fan, I know I said it before, you gotta feel good. This is a win for you, too. Your goal is to lose games, but to have a feisty team. You lost games and your team looks feisty, and you may actually have your quarterback. Davis Mills has got 16 yeah. more games. He played better than Mac Jones yesterday, but I think a little bit of that is his system versus Max, and that's crazy to say because he's cut Lovey Smith as his coach, but at least they have a real offensive coordinator. So it's just uh, you know, he he played objectively better than Trey Lance. Sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. we'll see. No, I know. I mean, we were talking about this even last year. Like, just because he wasn't the flashy player to pick and to talk about he he performed admirably given the circumstances last year like i don't know why everyone like he could be their guy for the next yeah. six seven years like it's very it's very possible that that could be the case the giants pull out a one-point victory on the road at the wild titans the aforementioned going for titans two there and uh yeah they were you know going bold and uh and it doesn't work out um but you know the giants Get the victory, a much-needed victory, to kick off the Brian Dable era there in New York. Uh, what a what a game for them, really. Uh, you know, Daniel Jones throws two touchdowns a pick, goes 17 to 21. He looked competent. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say, you know, there are still concerns. The big news, really, is Saquon appears He's to be back. back. Saquon. I mean, he looked good. He looked real good there. Uh, Derrick Henry. yards and 18 carries. And again, the Titans defense is not, not special, no, not but man, this blow, I mean, the Titans were the one seed last year. And th- this is just one of those, you can't at home lose to a giants team that in the end really is trying to get at their new quarterback. Yeah. And I mean, they won the turnover battle, did the Titans as well. They, they didn't turn it over one time. And, uh, you know, Tannehill goes 20 to 33 for 266 yards, a couple of scores himself. Derrick Henry just had an okay day out there, but it doesn't seem like they have. I mean, I truly think that, and I didn't think this before the year, it appears to me that the loss of AJ Brown might be a bigger deal than we thought because to not have a true stud on the outside. I mean, they have the likes of Dontrell Hilliard and Kyle Phillips, leading the way for the receiving core. And, uh, you know, Traylon Burks is an unproven rookie. Uh, that that could be the downfall of this team uh, come, you know, later yeah. in the season. It's it, it feels good as a – I mean, I don't know if it feels good as a Giants fan. I mean, it does. Winning, winning games feels good. But Daniel Jones, I mean, this was nice. And it just goes to show what I – if I feel good about if I'm a Giants fan is we have our coach. Like, this guy could be our coach. He could really help us build the culture and be the guy after we've run through so many recently. If you're a Titans fan, this is the type of loss where you start just looking at yourself going, I'm ready for Malik. I don't care at this point. Like, this is ridiculous. And Tannehill wasn't, like, bad. He didn't lose them the game. But you can't lose. You can't lose at home to a Giants team that's is basically rebuilding. And um, uh, and so it, it's uh, something to keep our eyes on for sure. 
Yeah, let's go back to the NFC North now. The Packers at the Vikings. Whew. Green Bay did not look good in this one. The Vikings, however, they did look good. A 23-7 victory over the Green Bay Packers here. Kirk Cousins leading the way with uh, 277 yards through the air and a couple tutties. 90 yards on the ground for Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson is just unbelievable. 184 yards through the air and two touchdowns receiving. Yeah. Um, the Vikings kind of were dominant from the start. They took a 17 nothing lead into the break. Packers scored a touchdown in the second half. That's it. And it's a 23. Saw a little Jordan Love. Minnesota. Little Jordan yeah. Love action. Um, listen, the Packers are the Packers. Last year started off with a dud. This year started off with a dud. I'm not going to write off the Packers yet. I will just say, though, it's classic Aaron Rodgers. People are not critical enough of him. The dude looks so checked out. He just, and I get it. You have a drop. It's a sure touchdown. You have, you have got to be the leader of your football team. Like, he, whenever the camera's on him, he's just like, Ugh. He's worse than Jay Cutler. Like, I mean, yeah, he is yeah. just so apathetic lethargic so like you all suck oh this is ridiculous what am i dealing with he threw teammates under the bus not by name but like his post press conference was so just like smarmy i i, I just leadership and being a leader and 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 rallying and working with your guys in adversity in the foxhole when it's bad is a part of what makes great quarterbacks great quarterbacks aaron Rodgers continues to fall down my list of top 10 greatest quarterbacks of all time with stuff like this. The dude's talent is all world. His who he is as a human being and rallying his guys and being able. Yeah. You don't want to be Broncos country. Let's ride. Like that's fake and phony, but look at, we talked about it earlier, even the young quarterbacks, like a, like a Justin Fields without having to be like in your face, rah, rah guy, like, no, they follow him and they're, they're going to, they're all in this together. Aaron, it's like, oh, don't talk to him. He's upset with me. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And he just kind of, like, walks by you like, it, it's it, The body language and, and watch is so bad. I also don't want to overhype Minnesota. I don't. Minnesota has, is, is a lot of people are high in Minnesota right now. They're going I'm, 12 and 5 this year. I Yes. I'm going to still wait and see. I'm going to wait and see. Good win for him, though. Good win. It, it was a good win for the Vikings. That's for sure. I, I will just add to your point about the Aaron and the Packers. That is some, that is what we've seen with these playoff mishaps and these playoff duds over the last decade with them. It's when the going gets tough, they, he doesn't elevate them to the level that they need to be elevated. Right. And, uh, and, and that's a prime example of, of why Aaron's body language can be a detriment despite his talent. Uh, yeah, it, it really can. And uh, yeah, the thing is, Aaron, it's the situation. So like, you got to deal with it. Make so it work. Say, woe is me. You signed the extension. He signed the extension. He yeah, wanted to be there. Like, exactly. again, anytime he's like, oh, it's like the dude has signed multiple extensions with Green Bay instead of just hitting free agency. Yep, and yep. so he he's, he's like, he needs to wear some of these more. But he'll end up winning MVP and throwing for, you know, so it's like, again, I don't want to overreact. He's got the Peaky Blinders haircut now, so he's ready to go. Uh, The Chiefs go on the road at the Cardinals and right out of the gates, fire away. uh, And they roll to a 44-21 to victory. Patrick Mahomes did Patrick Mahomes things in this one. 360 yards passing, five touchdowns. 
Uh, Travis Kelsey had his typical type of day. Their offense looked perfectly fine with the void of Tyreek Hill. They have other weapons to pass it around to. Juju Smith-Schuster had himself a pretty decent game, too. And uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire got two touchdowns. So everyone getting a piece of the pie in this Kansas City offense in this one. The Cardinals, meanwhile, and Kyler Murray didn't uh, seem to be very much in sync. I yeah. I am not pressing the panic button on them either, but I we also haven't seen a lot from the Cardinals in terms of, wow, they, but they've been super dominant in the past. Have they really, maybe for like a few game stretches, they were undefeated for an extended period of time. But you know, other than that, like we haven't seen just sheer dominance come from the Cardinals. And so that does give me a little bit of concern. I think James Connor is perfectly, um, you know, solid in that offense, and they have new pieces with Marquise Brown there, and they're going to get DeAndre Hopkins back in, a, you know, five weeks. But it, it, this is still going to ride on the shoulders of Kyler Murray, and you got to be able to make some third-down conversions that they didn't make, and uh, especially when you're playing the Chiefs. I mean, you can't – obviously, that's the thing. You can't, you know, fault them too much. They played the Chiefs, and the Chiefs yeah. did what they do. Uh, but uh, still, it's not, not the um, – not the ideal look from the Cardinals that uh, I was hoping to see more of a shootout than it actually. Did. The Chiefs saw what the Bills did and said, "All right, we got to match that." Like the Chiefs, it yeah. seems like they're playing the game is anything you can do, we can do better, and they want to stay neck and neck with with the Bills. And I think the Chiefs, rightfully so, should feel a little disrespected about all the Bills love. They, you know, everyone's saying, "Oh, the the you know the Bills lost that game. The Chiefs didn't win it in Arrowhead." Well, the Chiefs did win it. You know what I mean? Like in and I think the Chiefs came out showing, hey, we we realized we screwed up, and we let that we let the Bengals have one, and it sh- and we should have been in that game, and um and I think the Chiefs, it's a great win for them on the road against a playoff team from last year with a with a star quarterback who just got a big contract with a star head coach, who just got a contract extension, and 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 you you never love it if you're a fan of the Cardinals, right? Your quarterback signs a record deal. Your head coach gets an extension. Your GM gets an extension. You lose by by really more than 22, 23 at home because that game was was what uh, thirty something to seven. I mean the 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 Cardinals scored two late touchdowns. That it's just like the game was way over, way way over. Yeah. And what does your coach say at the press conference? We need better practice habits. Like t- immediately taking a dig at your star quarterback and all the rumors of this offseason that all your guy does is play call of duty. Like, um, like <laughs> yeah. that is these guys are locked in the GM, the head coach, the quarterback all have long deals that are tied together. That are too much money to get rid of within the next year or two. So it, it's uh, you got to get happy quick in Arizona. And uh, yes, you can just say, Hey, it's the chiefs, but at home blowout loss really. Cause again, a 23 point loss is a blowout loss. It's more than that. You, you got two late touchdowns when the chiefs were like the white flag was up. So uh, not great in it for a star for Arizona. Yeah. Uh, good news for them is they'll be second in the NFC West after tonight. Absolutely. So Raiders at the chargers chargers pull out a five point win. It really felt like the chargers were in a lot more control in this game. They were maybe the score led on as the uh, Raiders put up six in the fourth quarter to uh, zero for the chargers. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it was the it was the introduction of the Josh McDaniels uh, offense with Derek Carr and, and Devontae Adams, and they played well offensively in this one. But uh, you know, Chargers at the end just too much to overcome. Justin Herbert just made a couple insane throws. He is game. insane. 
uh, he, he's super, super talented. So yeah, I mean, it was a, you know, division rivalry, two talented teams going at it. The chargers come out on top. Uh, like I think we both predicted there and, uh, you know, nothing super surprising out of it. Nothing uh, really catching my eye other than, yeah, the Chargers are pretty good, and I think the Raiders are going to be in this thing uh, all year long. Who wins the AFC West could come down to one stat and one stat only. Who gets the most sacks in the AFC West? Because all four quarterbacks are really good to great to Hall of Fame worthy, and all offensive have a ton of pieces that you're scared of and are good offenses. Khalil Mack had three sacks. The Chargers had six. The Raiders had none. Like, the Raiders' pass yeah, rush. Yeah. And the Chargers' offensive line is good, and it's getting better. And so that's going to be the biggest the difference maker. It's what I'm excited to watch the Broncos front tonight. The Chiefs have an okay pass rush, you know, and, and, and Jones is good. You know what I mean? Like, But, like, you have got to be able – the Mack Bosa having four and a half sacks – that's what the Chargers dreamed of when they made that trade. That could literally be the determining factor who wins the AFC. Now, the, the good thing for the Chiefs is, even though their pass rush is maybe second best third, it's not as bad as the Raiders, they probably have the best offensive line. So does that overweigh when they play the Chargers? We'll get to see Thursday night. Cannot wait. Best game of the weekend, Thursday oh, yeah. night. Chargers-Chiefs in Arrowhead. It's going to be fantastic, yeah. I think we're all looking forward to that game. Uh, on a short week, these, but the, no teams uh, know each other better uh, than the Chargers and the Kansas City Chiefs there. Let's wrap things up with the Sunday night game. And uh, the Buccaneers put a hurt on the Dallas Cowboys 19-3. to And look, we'll talk about what the, you know, Dak Prescott leaving this game with a, uh, you know, fractured thumb. He's going to get surgery. He's likely out six to eight weeks. So they're in trouble. Um, but I want I don't want to underscore that with, like they looked bad before throughout because he got hurt in the fourth quarter. Like yep. they, this offense looked really bad throughout this entire game. Yes. It's the Bucks defense, which is pretty solid, but the Bucks defense isn't, you know, the Steelers or, you know, the, the, the elites of the elite. Uh, they're really good. Uh, but the Cowboys offense uh, should be really good as well, but they were not. It was uh they scored three points in the first quarter. Didn't score again. And uh, it is looking uh, like tough times ahead for the Dallas Cowboys here. Meanwhile, the Bucks, you know, they just they played their game. They managed the time of possession, ran the ball effectively when they could, and you know, yeah. Tom Brady looked uh, looked just fine. He did what he needed to do to uh, to have a, a convincing win, a comfortable win there in Dallas. Yeah, Tom Brady looked just fine is is the best way to say it. I will say this: offensive line for the Bucks held up. Brady looked mobile. I mean, wa watching Brady's yeah, feet did. in the pocket, there were a couple throws he made on the move that were like, oh, I think mean, I think Tom knows this year, especially until he can get Jensen back, he's going to have to be light on his feet. And no one's better at getting the ball out quick and accurately than Tom Brady. So the Bucks, that's good. I will also say Julio Jones, I, he has, I think, just enough left in the tank to be really feisty this year. I think there's some really feistiness. I know he didn't have a big night, but um, there were flashes when you watch him run routes, you're like, oh, that did not look like Tennessee Julio Jones. I think part of it is you just get to the Tom Brady effect. Like you're in 
I'm sure Julio in Tennessee was like, what the hell? Why am I not still in Atlanta? Why didn't I get a big deal from Atlanta to wind up my career there? Like what? You know what I mean? Like, I think that's a mental, there's a mental thing to playing football in that way. And I, and I think that uh, there's, there's, there were some flashes now for the Cowboys. Like I said, it, I think tailspin begins. I think this coaching staff is absolutely incapable of making Cooper, uh, Cooper rush, a, a, a winning quarterback. They need to find a way to win two games before Dak Prescott gets back. They've got to find a way to be at least two and four to be in the realm of, we have, we have a chance here. We have our, 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 you know, $200 million man in Dak Prescott. And you're absolutely right. Dak in this offense was not good at all. And that is, again, we all knew it. You should have paid Dak early and you should have never paid Zeke. And they paid Zeke too much too early. And they paid Dak way too much, way too late. I think Dak's best days are either behind him or they are still in it. And the problem is right now, this year and next year are part of it. And this year he's going to miss six games with a hand injury. Nothing you could do about that. That sucks for Dak. But he was not looking good. And this offense was looking out of sync, out of whack, and not good before the injury. The way the Cowboys have a chance to win some games here, if they don't go after Jimmy G, they they at least now can say our identity is we're going to run the bleep out of the football. Like that's and, – and they have two running backs, and they have a decent offensive line, and especially when you get Peters in there to just say, hey, we are going to run the ball 45 bleeping times a game. And, and, and their defense is good enough to hopefully get a turnover and kind of rise to the occasion – that's what you got to be convincing yourself if you're a Dallas fan. And then you say, we get Dak back, and hopefully the the wheels of that machine are running enough to where that's what Dak thrives in anyways. Run the ball more than you throw, play action, Dak on the move, hit CeeDee Lamb for big chunk gains. That's what that offense should be, and it's, uh, and it's not because they paid Dak a lot of money, so they're trying to justify it. Let's say it's six games before Dak comes back. What are they those play- six games? They play the Bengals, Lost. the Giants, Commanders, Rams, and Eagles. Uh, so they have got to be circling the line. Giants and the Commanders as we. That's our two. We got to win those yeah. two in division. You'll probably lose to the Eagles unless you have Jimmy G by that time. If you get Jimmy right. G in this week or next week, you give him a week to learn the offense. Maybe you're you're more competitive at that time. Um, yeah, I mean, that's brutal. They're going to lose the Bengals. The Bengals lost. The Bengals will be motivated. They'll smell blood in the water. Um, Giants are now feisty. Commanders are certainly feisty, but those are the ones you got to circle. The Rams, they'll lose to the Rams. And then Eagles, I would have had them losing to the Eagles anyway. So, yeah, yeah, not great. Some some quick key injuries, just keep an eye on. T. Higgins left the game with a concussion. Yeah, concussion. We'll see, you know, hopefully he can be back next week. Uh, if not the week after we mentioned Dak Prescott, Chris Godwin had a hamstring. He left early Keenan Allen left with a hamstring injury. Those are never, you know, great to start a year off. Those tend to linger. Najee Harris yeah. with a foot injury, uh, Elijah Mitchell for the 49ers. I mean, that, that could be a big loss there. MCL. Uh, I don't know if we have an official I thought I saw um, was MCL. update. I, I haven't seen the most recent update on uh, Elijah Mitchell, but that, that could, um, you know, be an issue, certainly, uh, moving forward for the 49ers. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay, a couple hours ago to miss about two months. 
with an MCL sprain. That's that's tough. And now, now obviously the 49ers scheme, they can uh, you know fit a lot of running backs into that, but they're going to need guys to to carry that load. And then Mac Jones too got injured. It was, yeah, had a back injury. So it's like, uh, you know, there there were you know a bevy of injuries in in week one to start the. There always are. Week, week one is a brutal week for injuries. It is. It is. But hopefully, you know, the guys get back on track. Hopefully. There weren't too many, uh, you know, hefty losses there. It's and, uh, weird how it works, yeah. but it takes a week or two for your body to get acclimated, like back to like this is used to taking. I'm getting hit. beat. I'm getting beat up at full speed from other grown men, and um, that's why you see injuries early and you see injuries late because it's like by then the end of the season, your body's so worn down. All it takes is you plant the wrong way. And a, and a sprain from weeks earlier, we actually was a slight tear that then becomes a complete tear. You know what I mean? Uh, sure. It's just that type of, that type of thing. And TJ Watt is so fittingly fitting into the, the Watt brothers of like, they just stop getting so big. You just keep lifting too many weights and now you're getting more injured. Uh, yeah. And TJ and JJ was out with like the COVID this week. So, you well, know, they just, they don't know how, I mean, and it's, it's what makes them so great is that their motor is yeah, their motors. 10% at all times. They are, they are giving it everything, every single play. 10% like. luck, 15% skill, a hundred percent power of whatever that song Concentrated is. Concentrated power, power of will. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's the watch. Absolutely. Good stuff. Well, yeah, we got Broncos Seahawks tonight. Uh, I, I don't think we need to spend much time on a preview for it. Broncos win by a hefty margin, I would say. Uh, I'm going to take Broncos by 13. If they don't, then that's bad news for the Broncos. Again, yeah, yeah. I think one of the things that we have to remember, too, and it hit me today, Packers' offense also didn't look good. Well, their offensive coordinator is now a head coach in Denver. Their quarterback's coach is now the offensive coordinator in Chicago. You know, you you got to remember this move. Like, the, the Niners' offense at times in the second half didn't look good. Well, their offensive coordinator and wide receiver coach are now the head coach and wide receiver coach in Miami. Like, you got to remember, too, those missing th – th those coaching moves are sometimes more important. We talked yeah. about it, obviously, with the, with Mac Jones than, than, the, uh, than, the, than the player movement. And so very excited for Nathaniel Hackett. I've, I heard some interviews. He did a great interview with Pardon My Take over the summer – uh, during grit week. Yeah, that was he, fantastic. He was, he like kind of stole my heart a little bit. Like this guy seems like a great guy to root for. Um, Russ, I think is going to be very highly motivated. Um, uh, keep your eye on the pass rush for Denver. If the pass rush for Denver looks, looks nasty, then they could really compete for the AFC West. They really, really could. And if their offensive line is above average. Uh, so keep an eye for that. And again, if you're a Seahawks fan, he, if I'm a Seahawks fan, I'm hoping for the Atlanta Falcons. I want my team to be scrappy. I want them to be in it. I want them to almost win it and then lose because you do not want Geno Smith or Drew Locke anywhere near your starting quarterback this time next year. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. You need to you need to have a contingency plan in place. And, uh, and the primetime games have been kind of blowouts. I think this one will be one as well. Not entertaining yeah, yeah. Thursday, Sunday. I think Monday we're going to get a little bit of the same. Yep, I think you are correct. Well, that should be a fun one. Uh, we'll obviously be returning back here for the week two recap, but that rounds it out. We are back. We are in full swing. It feels good. I'm excited. We got football yeah. back, and uh, it was a great Sunday uh, of football watching and uh, looking forward to tonight and this upcoming Thursday, too. A couple uh, interesting storylines to look at in these two games coming up before next Sunday. So, 
Uh, we hope you all enjoyed. And yeah, Mark, do you want to say uh, some well, parting words? Well, I just want and a final a final note. There would be no football lounge without Nate Byrne. We wouldn't have met each other without uh, without Nate Byrne. And um, so true. Uh, and uh, you know, in a lot of ways, for all of our listeners out there, you know this this show is going to be very therapeutic for Dan and I throughout this season. And so we appreciate you going on this journey with us and we love doing it. And so we, we thank you for tuning on in. And uh, uh, once again, just a, uh, just a shout out to who Nate was as a person. And, um, and uh, we, we miss him dearly. We will never forget him. And uh, thank God for football season. Seriously. Couldn't have uh, come at a better time, honestly, for sure. And uh, yeah, for those of you listening uh, who maybe didn't know Nate or, um, you know, got to got to know him just a little bit. Maybe turn on a, a stick song for old time's sake. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Watch a Bond movie. Yeah, get a Michelob Ultra. Preferably, and, uh, he liked Roger Moore. Uh, we always argue about this. He loved Roger Moore, and uh, that also tells you a lot about who Nate was. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> that's very true. Yeah, I'm a, uh, I'm a Pierce Brosnan fan. Ah, all yeah. The way. Although I, I like Sean Connery. It was it's between those two guys for me, but I know. He was always defending Timothy Dalton too. That you know, he's like, hey, you know, just give the guy a chance here, will yeah. you? You know, he's a you know big Bond fan for sure. So yeah, uh, rest in peace, Nate. We love you, buddy.